May it pierce our... No, not like that. Listen, God knows my heart, first of all. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She meant, like, good, not quick as in short. Like quick and powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like a, a prayer ended prematurely like that. <laughs> See... We, at Grace Life, we believe in organic ministry, and that's an example of it right there. Yes, Megan, you have not because you asked not. Is that what that is? <laughs> um, good to see you guys after a week off. My name is Joe Davis. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, bring the slide up. Um, we're going through this series uh, on Psalm 119, and uh, this week is week nine. Um, and I've titled it uh, Affliction Seminar. Uh, Open Heart Surgery is the name of the series, and we're giving you an affliction seminar today. So let me just read the passage to you, and then we'll get into what we have to say about it today. Um, Psalm 119, 65 to 72, that's the next eight verses, named after the Hebrew letter, Teth. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I will keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So let me explain a couple of things. The world is tough. It's fallen. It's riddled with depravity, some of which is your own. It's riddled with mistakes, sin, and all of its natural consequences. <clears throat> you are going to face affliction, whether you like it or not. And to act all surprised and angry and upset and shocked when it hits reveals stunning immaturity, foolishness, and a lack of biblical knowledge. And when you ask God why or try to blame it on him, it reveals ignorance of the real genesis of affliction. The beginning point of affliction all has its root in human depravity, yes, even going back to Adam and Eve. You know what else impacts affliction? Free will, which we love and adore and fight so much for, not only in the world, but in our theology. Free will, free will, free will. It always ends with affliction. I hate free will. I want it, don't get me wrong, but I can't stand it. So before we get started, I'm going to show you a video I saw this week uh, of Chief Justice Roberts. He was giving a commencement speech at his son's ninth grade graduation. Just watch what Chief Justice Roberts says. Throw the video up. will typically also wish you good luck and extend good wishes to you. I will not do that, and I'll tell you why. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal 
because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. I wish you bad luck again from time to time so that you will be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose, as you will, from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will bloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you, you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. Isn't that, isn't that good? And like, if you're a parent of a ninth grader, well, why are you telling my kid? <laughs> the video from Chief Justice Roberts stumbles upon an amazing truth. And that truth is this, church. You, we, will never learn spiritual truth without the soil of affliction. Without affliction, it's just information. But affliction allows God's word to take its full effect in our hearts. To a lover of God's word, affliction is the light at the end of the tunnel, not the midnight of darkness. <clears throat> All right, stop. That was a really good line I wrote. Come on, guys. Be a little bit. That was really good. Come on. I didn't even copy it. You know what else affliction? <laughs> Thank you very much. You know what else it is? It's the road sign guiding us to where and how we should live. You know what else affliction is? It is the exit ramp off the highway of ignorance. That's how the psalmist was describing it. I mean, the psalmist starts off talking about his life being prosperous and comparatively better than it was before. Then he goes into six verses about affliction and why he's thankful for it. So we're going to look at a couple words today. The first one is the word well. He says in the psalm, you have dealt well with your servant. The word well means prosperity, contentment, and it actually means better comparatively to before. What he's saying is, you have made my life better than it was before. Remember the context of this. And there's another word he teaches us. He uses the word afflicted twice in this little passage. It means to be oppressed, to be humbled, or to bow down. So it means to be humbled or to humble yourself, either one. It's from a root, I love this, it's from a root word meaning to answer, respond, testify, to speak, or to shout or declare. So the root word of affliction comes from the word to declare, to speak, to teach. Isn't that wild? I mean, the root word of suffering in this passage is teaching. Do you see this? I mean, the word of God is so amazing when you really dive into it, isn't it? You would never know that if you didn't take the time to study it. The word affliction means from a root word teaching. 
he unmistakably, the psalmist, ties his perspective on affliction with his relationship with God's word. That's how he starts. But we're not going to dive into the first two verses. We're going to start with verse 67 and come back to the first part at the end. Because what he does is he sets up the thesis, the topic of this whole passage. He says, here's where I am right now. Then he says, but here's how I got there. It's awesome. So the psalmist describes the value of affliction for a person in tune with God's word. And the first thing it can do is change your direction. He says, before I was afflicted, before I was taught, before I was able to teach, right? That's what the word, think about that. Think affliction, teaching, not just you being taught, but you teaching others. Before I was taught, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Affliction allows you to experience God's word in a transformational way. When the two are combined, the psalmist explains that his wayward path brought about affliction. Before, my decisions, my free will, my choices caused me suffering. And God's word taught him why that affliction came and enabled him to learn the lessons that changed his behavior. He says, the first thing I learned is my behavior needed to change in certain ways because it was bringing me affliction. Before I was afflicted, I would go astray, but now I keep your word. The second thing affliction can do for you is change how we view God. Here's what he says. This is in the midst, by the way, of affliction. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. See, the natural response is God-blaming, defensiveness, justification, self-righteous judgment of others, even revenge. Many are tempted to say, it's just not fair. Why would this happen to me? I don't deserve this. And what we are really doing when we say those things is we are commenting on what we think of God's actual character and person. God, you're dishonest. You are a liar. You are not fair. Why would you allow my stupid free will to cause me affliction? That's really what we're saying. Why can't you let us be sinful and not have any pain? That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know what it does? It sets up inevitable times of affliction as definite failure. Wasted opportunities. But with God's word, we see God not as the source of affliction, but the ointment, the healer, the life raft. The other thing that affliction does it caused you to fall out of love with the world. Here's what he says about the world, basically. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my heart I will keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. He's not talking about necessarily specific people that we can name with the historical application of this scripture. He's talking about, in general, the wicked world around him. He is falling, the psalmist, out of love with the world. He is recognizing that the world causes affliction. Now, a deficiency of God's word 
makes your eyes blind to spiritual things and it makes you focus on the glitzy things around you, the world things. But affliction, when combined with God's word, helps you see the frailty of this world. And affliction gives you a chance, an opportunity, whether you take it or not, to develop a new value system. And affliction combined with God's word changes what's important to you. If it doesn't, you've totally wasted it. A friend of mine is here today, Brian. I remember when I was going through the process of grief with our family. Brian, you preached a sermon, Don't Waste Your Grief. I don't know if you remember that, but you preached it. And you actually had me come and talk a little bit about it. And that's been a lesson that has stuck with me. We often waste our grief because we're still in love with God's or with the, with the world and not God's word. You know what else affliction does besides helping you fall out of love with the world? It helps you embrace affliction, affliction rather than fear it. Look what he says in verse 71 and 72. It is good for me that I was... What? what it, wait, back up, what? It is good for me that I was afflicted, taught, now able to teach. Right? That's the root word. That I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Guys, see, the miracle of being a victor during tough times or a victim, you know, the woe is me mentality, is recognizing that affliction will come and those that love God's word will be motivated to run to truth and heavenly dad. See, the miracle is once you are through the affliction, you can look back and realize suddenly it has knit you closer to Heavenly Dad than ever before. All right, now let's go back to the first two verses, okay? You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Guys, God deals well with those that love his word. Those to whom he has given the gift of faith. And that is the thesis, the theme for the six verses that followed. It explained how he got to the life he lives in the first two verses. He doesn't say, you are good and you do good. I'm glad I won the lottery. You are good and you do good because my life is perfect. He says, no, you are good and you do good because before I was afflicted, I went astray. It is good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your statutes. There are two types of people in this world and you are definitely one or the other. The first one is James 1, 2 through 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, steadiness, strong connection. That's one type of person, right? But the same chapter in James, just a couple of verses later, describes the other type of person that goes through affliction. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Do anybody of you know anyone like that? <laughs> Some people. There are two types of people. Those who respond with affliction that makes them to and fro and unstable and those that are like a rock. 
So I'm going to get a little personal with you now. Maybe to the point that it might make you uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm going to read my first journal entry that I'm going to quote today. I remember when I was going through pain that drove me into the word. I poured out my heart to God and I learned how to use Psalm 142 and 143. Write those down, read them later. Or just have a photographic memory and remember them and read them later. I pray affliction will always drive me to the word of God. When God taught me 142 and 143 of Psalms and how to use them and how they could comfort me in affliction, I was going through a hard time. I had no idea what would happen in the family that I didn't even have yet. When he taught me Psalm 142 and 143, I was a junior in college. Granted, a fifth year junior, but that's not the point. So. <laughs> But he taught me how to use 142 and 143 of Psalms to run to his word when affliction hit. And I thought at the time, boy, this affliction is rough. And what I learned is with, without the word, affliction is an excuse to complain, to talk bad about God, and to personally become useless. But a lover of God's word can embrace those trials, be comforted and filled with joy as God's word is verified. Remember one of the things I asked you to pray every day? Confirm your word to me? One of the prayers? I mean, how do you expect those prayers to be answered? By getting a great job? Like when you pray those, are you sure you know what you're praying? God's word was confirmed to me when I went through the preseason of affliction when I was in college. That was just preseason. A little bit later, I went through the regular season of affliction. Then I went through some playoff affliction. Watch what I wrote here. When hardships come, and I expect it soon, I will remember that I am God's child, that he will deal well with me, I will understand the benefits and purposes of my trials where I cannot see the reason. I will trust that God is sovereign and I won't allow affliction to separate me from him or his word. See, without the word affliction or with the word affliction enables me to tell you, let me tell you how God deals well with me. That's what the psalmist does. That's what this sermon is right now. For me, as hard as it is for our family every July 4th, it's a stark reminder of the goodness of God in affliction. When dealing with adversity and trials, man, it's a comfort to know that my God always deals well with me. And I knew it before the real affliction came. And when adversity shows up, we can trust God's love and overall concern for our welfare. We may not always understand exactly why or how things can be well with us. Maybe even until we get to heaven. 
But the word of God allows you to understand and believe that God deals well with us. The psalmist wasn't saying you are doing good to me because I have all these blessings. I'm going to lay out one at a one at a time. No, he says you deal well with me. Why? Because I've been afflicted. I've been afflicted. And that's why I know you are a God who does well. All right. I'm going to read this to you. I love this passage. I've read it when I do funerals. I've preached on it. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want. You can. It doesn't matter. Romans 8, 35 to 39. I'm just going to read it real slow. And while I'm reading it, I'm thinking about my afflictions that I've been through and how God has just taught me. Who shall, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. But no, I say in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know why? Because he does well by us. Even in the midst of us suffering because of our depravity and the world's depravity, even in the midst of us suffering from our bonehead decisions and the bonehead decisions of others that sometimes we want to blame on God, in the end, here's what we know. He does well with us and affliction the root word means teach. Not just you being taught, but you declaring, you teaching. Loving God's word. This is why Psalm 119, I know it's been a long series. We're going to have two more weeks, take four weeks off, and we're going to finish it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Madden. Because we need it. Church, listen. You need it. We need it. We need to love God's word. Because loving God's word will enable you to see, declare, and sing that God deals well with you no matter what.